If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you um, John chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and I want to read down through verse 18. God's word says this, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter in a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel at what I have said to you. you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. <clears throat> So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? (coughs) Excuse me. Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly I say to you, We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you, earthly things, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe, in, be, does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. God, we ask Your blessing on Your Word Yes, that you would make us people who cling to it, who love uh, your son Jesus, the only Savior. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Man's name was Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee. A learned man, and in fact, it says a ruler of the Jews, which probably he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, if you will. And he came to Jesus at night. Um, Nicodemus would have fit in great in these times that we live in in the United States. Could have worn a mask. He could have checked out that church online. Uh, He he would have never had to uh, step forth into a church. He could have understood what Jesus was saying from afar. But uh, but in the time of Jesus, he 
he, he realized the embarrassment of what would have come. And even as Jesus spoke to him, there was a sense of embarrassment. You don't know, you're a teacher and you don't know these things? Nicodemus uh, acknowledged that Jesus was different than him, that he knew that he was from God. He knew that he was special. And he came and he asked uh, some questions. And Jesus' response uh, was probably rough for Nicodemus to hear. Nicodemus, uh, like many, was looking and knew there was something missing in his life. He knew that there was something wrong. It wasn't as good as it could have been. He knew that there was an emptiness in him that wasn't filled by all his knowledge. It wasn't even filled with being religious. It wasn't filled by being a good person. So Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and he asked about Jesus' teaching and who he was. And, and, and Jesus' response was, you must be born again. And uh, Nicodemus followed that up with, well, wait a minute, how, how do you do that? That doesn't seem, you know, scientifically possible. Uh, I, I, I know how these things work, and this isn't, you know, something you can do again. Jesus also added, uh, he said, you must be born again. You must be born of water and of spirit. And these combined... Uh, left Nicodemus with this one uh, thing that he knew for certain. That what needed to be done, he could not do. He could not do for himself. What Jesus was calling him to had to be a work of God. And after this section of Scripture that speaks of this conversation with Nicodemus, We struggle to know if this is a continuation of this or a summary uh, by John as he summarized what Jesus was teaching. We get the greatest, clearest verse of the scripture about what it is to be saved, what it is to be uh, a child of God. In John 3.16... we're given the simple message of Jesus. And, and, and when I think of our world today, the not-so world that we live in, the, the times that are changing rapidly, um, I hate saying this week after week, but they did it to me again this week. Uh, we have our, our, you know, we don't even plan anymore here at Bear Valley Church. We just wait till Wednesday or Thursday to replan what we're going to do. And we roll into church and we look at each other and we go, so what should we do this week? How should we set the canopies up this week? Uh, three more are on their way. Three more? Yeah, three more are on their way. Don't worry. Uh, we'll probably have 18 by the time uh, this deal's over covered parking lot. We were thinking of solar panel. No, we could do a lot of different things. But um, how do we live in a not-so-world? Uh, a place where everything is changing, and uh, we have grown to love uh, the comforts and the rights that we have, and yet uh, those may or may not be ours in the days to come. We're going to be okay. How, how are we going to do this? And I, I want to 
I want to give you the answer. It's simply Jesus. Simply Jesus. And I, I want to say that it, it's simply Jesus because that's been the answer from the time of Jesus, right? That he has called people to himself. He hasn't said there's, there's answers out there in, uh, in political schemes and, and constitutions and economies. And uh, there's ways to get your way. I, I want to tell you, he didn't say that. He pointed people to himself. And so this morning we are looking at the simple answer. The answer for any and every situation for this generation and the generations to come. I've, you know, I, how do you know when you're old? There's a lot of answers to that. Uh, but one of them is when you start saying, well, I'm not concerned about myself. I'm concerned about my kids and my grandkids, even if they're hypothetical at this point, right? Your grandkids, hypothetical. Um, you realize that things are out of your control and you realize that there's going to be implications possibly for the generations to come. And I just want to tell you, before I preach this great message from God's Word, it's simply Jesus. That's who you need. That's who your kids need. You have grandkids, that's what they need. They don't need a great job. They don't even need to live in a beautiful mountain community. Uh, they, they don't need uh, even a great education or uh, to be gr- great athletes and uh, get scholarships to go to colleges that will pollute their minds. They don't need that. They need simply Jesus. And so that should be the number one priority of our souls. As we go to God's word, here it is, here it is. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And the first point I want to give you this morning and why Jesus is the answer is that uh, trusting in Jesus, you receive the benefits of the love of God. The love of God. Um, I think most of us understand that it doesn't matter that everybody loves you, right? In fact, if you, your goal is that everybody would love you, your life will be very complicated. Uh, it will be a whack-a-mole type uh, life for you where, you know, you're trying to serve this person. Whacking them isn't necessarily love. But anyways, uh, this idea that a problem comes up over here, so you've got to take care of that, and then you're over here, and then you're over here, and then you're over here, and, the, and, and it leads to this internal stress and frustration because you can't do it. But more importantly, um, it's not that you would be loving one, and one, but that the most important, uh, the God who created you, he loves you loves you and that you would receive that love and that you would experience the benefits of that love. It says that God so loved the world. And when it talks about the world, it's not talking about the world system. It's talking all of the individuals combined as uh, the humans on this earth. And that he has loved them in a way that he's extended his hand of kindness to them. And 
love is a hollow word. It, it really is. When we uh, confess our love for one another, especially as uh, if we say it in a flippant way, he says, I, I love you. I, I, I love you. And you say, well, how do I know? How do I know that you love me? Well, if, as we look at John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world. How do we know that he loved the world? He gave his son. Gave his son. I want to tell you that uh, many times as we think about giving gifts, uh, we go to our garage and we say, well, what kind of junk do I have that I don't want anymore that I can give away and you know, do a token? Uh, some of you have great gifts, by the way, in your garage. I've, you know, I probably do too. I just can't find them. Um, but God did not give his spares. He didn't give that which was useless. Uh, he gave his precious and special son, Jesus. That word there, and, and it, it's an interesting theological um, study, is that Jesus had, or the Father has other sons. There's different places in the scripture where it, it speaks of other people being sons of God, children of God. But this word and this picture here is the special one. The one of, I would say it this way, of infinite value. The one that cannot be replaced. The one, uh, the one special son of infinite worth. That's the son that is the love gift the Father gave to the world. We consider this this morning and we realize that uh, the love of God is shown by the giving of his special son there's this little section I'm looking at here you can be negative or positive and this morning I I felt like being positive because there's so much negative but you can also say this you get the love of God but on the other opposite side if you don't want the love of God you can have the anger of God or the wrath of God there's a choice to be made there's a choice to be made and there's a decision and Jesus doesn't say Nicodemus you can stay in the middle it's okay, you know, you're drying your best, it's fine, you just do whatever you want. No, he said, you must be born again. You must be. God loved the world, um, but if you choose to reject God's love gift of his son, you can have the anger of God instead. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The second thing that we get with Jesus, we get the love of God, but we also get eternal life. Eternal life. Um, eternal life, the, the words in, in English are, are just describing the idea of it going on forever. It's much more than that. Um, as you look at the, the total of Scripture, you realize it's being dead spiritually to being alive spiritually that lasts forever. 
and is a life uh, that is worth and full and good forever. It's not just simply that we are alive spiritually, but that we are rich spiritually. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. It doesn't matter what country you're born in. It doesn't matter what, which constitution you're under. It's because of Jesus that you have eternal life. This eternal life uh, was given at the cost of his son. And it's not on the basis, I, I know that uh, the word privilege has gone on over and over again. And I, I want to tell you, that's the beauty of the word of God. That anyone that will come to it, anyone who will grab this message, it's been translated over and over and over again in most every language and tongue in the entire world. That this message of Jesus that, that the Father gave His Son, if, if one would believe in it, whoever, it doesn't matter how poor you are or how rich you are, whether you live uh, in a great place or whether you've been a good person or you thought you had been a good person. or It doesn't matter. It's whoever. Whoever would come. And, and, and in this, it, it's eternal life, right? Um, it says at the end of verse 16, it's that it should not perish. Once again, you could be negative. There's eternal life, but there's also eternal perishing, the loss of life, the, the ongoing deadness of sin. What it brings to the soul of a man is that they would die forever. And I want to tell you, with Jesus, it's not dying forever. It's eternal life. Whatever happens down here, it's eternal life with Jesus. Which brings me to my third point. What we get with Jesus is no condemnation or no judgment. Um, in verse 17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, to judge the world. Uh, I, I think that many people believe that about uh, Jesus. That he came as a judge to them. That he came to tell people you're wrong. You missed a spot. You're a bad person. You're evil. Uh, that, that's why some people believe that Jesus came. And it's a wrong thinking. And it's based upon what has already gone on in the heart and uh, in, in the lives of people. Condemnation and judgment doesn't come from Jesus as he came to this earth. Do you know where it comes from? It comes from our own heart. You know why? Because we're guilty. I'm always shocked uh, when kids are doing something bad. Not, not the kids here at Bear Valley Church. But um, when you walk into their room and they're doing something bad, and they didn't know you were there, and then they turn around, they get startled. Why is that? Why? Because they're guilty. Guilty and they've been caught. They already knew they were guilty. 
even before the judge and jury showed up, right? They already knew that things were wrong. I want to tell you that uh, each and every one of us know, apart from Jesus, that there's something wrong inside of us. Nicodemus knew that something was wrong. That's why he came at night. He didn't march down Main Street that I'm going to see Jesus. He was nervous. Guilt makes us nervous. It makes us consider the judgment and the condemnation of our own sins. As you look on in verse uh, verse 18, it says this, Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. They're already condemned. They're already guilty because they've done things that are wrong and sinful in the eyes of God. And so I, I want you to uh, realize the, the amazing value of Jesus Christ. What we get with Him is no condemnation. We, uh, we've been talking about freedom this last week. And sometimes we think we have freedom and we don't. And sometimes we do and we don't exercise. We're confused about what freedom is. I want to tell you that there is no greater freedom than to be freed from your sins. That to realize that you have no condemnation. That the God of the universe looks upon you as righteous and clean, fit for heaven. Jesus did not come to condemn you. But it says, if you look at verse 17, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I want to conclude our time this morning by giving you three conclusions that will help you as you think through what you need today, what your family needs, your, the generations that come after you, what our world needs. The first is to believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. I think so often uh, we watch the news and we say, you know what needs to happen? We need, we need more law enforcement. We need better laws. We need to get rid of this politician or that politician. I didn't say anybody's names, okay? Nervous with a crowd like this, you know. Start a march or something like that. Probably wouldn't do it here in Bear Valley because it's too hard to get to civilization if you're walking. But um, we, we look at the news and we th- say things got to change. I need, I, I need this. Or I need this politician. We need better economies. We need better this or that borders or uh, whatever. We say, I, I got it. I know what needs to happen. I want to tell you, that at best, all those answers are temporary. The answer for the world today, and for you, your husband, your wife, your kids, your grandkids, your neighbors, is to believe in Jesus. Secondly, to believe means to abide or to place your faith or to trust in Him. It's not just the idea of, oh yeah, I believe that Jesus existed. Oh, yeah, you know, I I have a Bible, you know, it's a symbol to me of something. 
It's that we are believing and having relationships, substantial relationship. The, the word uh, John uses elsewhere is abide. It's the idea of living in him and living connected with the Savior. This idea of faith, of placing your faith in him is the idea of saying, I got no other answers. I place my life in your hands. To trust him is to say, I will not change my answer. He's my sole answer. I'm going to put my trust in him. I'm not going to put my trust in myself. I'm not going to put my trust in my family, my upbringing, my country. I'm going to put my faith and trust. I'm going to abide in Jesus. And this is the pursuit of my life. And lastly, I would say this. That Jesus is the only way. As he was speaking to Nicodemus, um, he, uh, he, he, he shared with him that there was an only way. He, he says in verse 8, he says, The wind blows wherever it wishes, and, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is it with everyone who is born of the Spirit. He, he, he gives this single answer of what it is that you must have And then as we look at verse 18 at the end, he says this, the reason that someone would not, uh, would be still condemned that he has not believed in the only son of God. There's only one. There's only one. There's only one way for man to be saved. There's only one option for you and for me, for guilty people, guilty in their sins. There's only one way. And it's in Jesus. God loved the world so much that he sent his son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish. That they would have eternal life. This is the message we cling to for our salvation. This is the message we cling to in uncertain times. Please join with me in prayer. Father God. Uh, as we walk on the face of this earth, we struggle with many things. And the greatest thing, the guilt of our own sin. God, we know and feel the condemnation that, that comes from our sins, the things we've done. And so we rejoice at your message that your Son came not to condemn this world, but to save the world. Whoever would come, that you would save them through the gift and the the price that was paid of your son. God, do your work in individuals here. May we be a church who clings to this message now and especially now. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.